Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Xbox One Two Three Sixty, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now your host, Sean Xbox Wolfman. Welcome to Xbox One Two Three Sixty, everyone. What's going on? This is Sean Xbox Wolfman. How's it going? What's going on, Jimbo, on the couch? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Can you hear me? Yeah, there we go. I can. There we go. Well, I could hear you because you're, sit- you're standing. <laughs> you're sitting three feet away from me. But and, uh, sitting next to Lu- uh, Jimbo, we got Lula. <laughs> She's so comfortable right now. Yeah. She's out. And, uh, and next to Lula, we got the lovely Denise Salcedo. Hey, everyone. Right. Hey, everyone. And... Um, th- I think Bill Hanstock quit. Did you? Yeah, he just quit. He said yeah. he's not ever coming back. I don't know about that. No? no. I actually, I think maybe he's coming back next week. I think he's week. at the yeah. Sundown Motel right now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. He's at the No-Tell Motel. <laughs> <laughs> and sitting next to me, the lovely TK Trinidad. Hey. And, uh, you know, before we get started talking about other things, I just want to say that our guest today is... Uh, Nick Aldis, a.k.a. Magnus. Yeah. Remember, what was the Impact or TNA t- championship? How, how was that? What was the title called? He's when been he was... both, I think. Yeah. I think he's been TNA. He was TNA uh, world champion, yeah. and then he was also global force champion as yeah. well. Gotcha. But I, 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 liked, I liked that pick for, you know, I thought he was a good pick for that. Yeah, you know, definitely. Of all the guys on that roster. So, um, yeah, we'll be talking to Nick. In a little bit, he has some things coming up he wants to talk about. Awesome. Uh, there's always there's a lot of good things to talk to Nick about. We've never we haven't had him on the show, and I, uh, you know, uh, full disclosure, we've been talking about having him on for for a little bit now. So, a little bit later, we'll be talking to him. And uh, this week, uh, well, this past week, starting on I think it was Thursday. Got to get my days right here. That every day kind of you know Blurs blends together. into the next. But uh, I believe it was Thursday, uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. Saturday. Was it Saturday? Yeah. Friday night we went to dinner. And well, what we was Thursday? The show, or the comedy show. Oh, that's and right. Wow. Talk about brain well, dead Fred here. You had a crazy weekend, man. It all blurs Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Friday. So Friday we went and met Conrad and Bruce for dinner. Yes. At the Italian place. At the Antennas. Yeah, which is oh, really good. Our waiter was a character. Was yeah. Her waiter was a character. Yeah, and so <laughs> we we're, were sitting there, right? And uh, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, Sean. And I look up and it's Tyrell Ventura, uh, just the uh, son of Jesse Ventura, who I hadn't seen in, God, it's probably been like 15, 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was so happy to see you. Yeah, so man, I was so happy too. to see him, too. What's that? What, what did, Phil, what did you say? All right. Oh. <laughs> Man, I hear stuff in my ear. I'm like, what? Voice is like Randy Orton. <laughs> huh. 
I f- I'm going to do a Lawrence O'Donnell. Wonder what those voices? <laughs> oh, there's probably people that are going, who's Lawrence O'Donnell? Yeah. What's that hammering <laughs> sound upstairs? Uh, so Friday dinner yeah. with them, and then Jesse, Tyrese, Jesse's son came and said hi to you. You were so excited to see him. Yeah. And then afterwards, they were all going to see Ron Funches yeah, perform I didn't at even the Improv. Know, I didn't even know Ron was going to be at the Improv. But Ron was just part of, like, you know... Um, Adam Devine from uh, uh, Workaholics, uh, and you know the last guy on 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 the bill that night was uh, Jamie Kennedy. Oh yeah. So oh, it was a pretty stacked uh, night so at the nice. Improv. Everyone was hilarious. Yeah. That yeah. Blonde, what was the girl's the name? Blonde the blonde lady. Oh man, I she can't. was is the it best. Is he? Maybe. maybe. I don't yeah. know because she, she was definitely it. best of the she night. She was so funny. Yeah, and Theo Vaughn. He was the guy that was, sounded like he was from down south. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. really for the host, right? Is no, that no. That's oh, that the guy that went after the host. Yeah, that guy's name. What the hell was that guy's name? It doesn't matter. It does matter. But Everyone was great at the improv. Yeah. Go check it out. Hollywood mm-hmm. improv. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bruce and, and Conrad and, and, uh, and them showed up for that. And then, then the next day. Jimbo couldn't make it to something to wrestle oh, with. So oh, my bummed. God, I can't believe it. You missed out on so much, Jimbo. I know. I'm so sad. I would be if I were you. I was pissed. That when I saw Barry Blaustein was there, that just like was the yeah. shot to the heart of like, why yeah. didn't I go? Mm-hmm. I was so mad at myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, wow. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. How was it? Oh, it, was, it was great. It was fun. Uh, Will Sasso was there. I, we got a you, picture of you and him. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to let Lula into the uh, venue, and I, st- I got hot. Really? I was standing outside the venue. The guy is going, we gotta, I got to ask my owner. I'm, like, showing him my service animal. I'm like, you don't understand. Federal law says that you can't say I can't come in here with, unless there's some other problem with me. You know. Anyways, so I had a bad, I had a bad attitude at that moment, and up comes Chavo Guerrero. And so the first time I'd seen him in quite a while, and I'm like, I don't even hug him. I'm in such a shitty mood at that moment. And uh, luckily things got straightened out immediately, and I was just fine. But when it comes to Lou, I get I get pretty defensive. And, you know, like, I understand from their point of view. The guy was just doing his job. So, uh, anyways, good show. Um, Will Sasso, the first guy that I, I ran into when I got there. And uh, I'd never met him before. He's so talented. He did so many really really funny impressions uh you know austin hogan uh and then pritchard like i'm sitting in between them and pritchard's right here doing impressions and you know they're going back and forth talking to each other in different characters and it was pretty fun so what was the format of the show they bring out one wrestler at a time and just talk about that situation like like they brought you on stage and they talked about your experience with what with bruce with wcw no it wasn't really any we just kind of shot the shit and um Actually, uh, wow, I hope Jerry Jarrett, well, I guess he'd probably forgive me at this point. But uh, Bruce brought up a rib that uh, I helped pull on Jerry Jarrett. Because apparently Jerry, uh, back then when he was with WWF at the time, uh, Vince, no one was sure if Vince was going to go to jail or not over that. uh, Steroid. Yes. So uh, Vince brought in Bill Watts. He brought in Jerry Jarrett, different people to see, you know, how they would do, you know, with manning the helm you know captaining the ship and so jerry jarrett made the mistake of saying no one's ever ribbed me before (laughs) you're like that's my cue no it wasn't mine because i like jerry it wasn't it wasn't mine um but i was definitely at that time more than willing to help and uh so i guess i 
I went and got somebody from uh, from the production crew. Uh, and they and I used to get I used to have this done every now and then, like uh, get a cable and they'd loop it at each end, and then I'd get a big ass padlock, and then you know like maybe some random guy like Adam Bomb would find his shit hanging from the ceiling <laughs> or that. And uh, I guess what happened was I I got Jerry's luggage and uh, Jerry Jarrett. And I wrapped this chain or uh, cable, whichever one it was, uh, all through his stuff. And there was a desk in the building that was actually, like, cemented or, or like bolted, bolted into the, the ground. ground. Yeah. And so I fastened it to that. <laughs> oh and, God. yeah. And Jerry Jarrett called the police. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? <laughs> I didn't do anything. Because I wasn't even there. You can't prove it. <laughs> That is so sad. Were you as much of a troublemaker as a kid? Not as... Oh, yeah, but just in different ways. I was a pretty bad kid. Okay. Yeah. When you're left to your own devices as a child, things get really bad. Because it seems like you were very creative in a lot of the stories that you, you've done to people while you're... Yeah. I like it. Was a, it, was, it was kind of... Um, you know, it was the wrong way to channel my, en- my energy and, uh, you know, brain power. I will say that. So what do the cops do when they show up? I can't remember because I don't remember that part. This is Bruce telling that part of the story. Because, you know, like, as much as I would have liked to have been at the scene of the crime. Yeah, you got out of there. Yeah. You got out of there. Yeah, and I guess Luna was involved and she was crying and she was just putting on an act. You know. And Chavo was there. What other wrestlers were there? Yeah, Chavo came out. Okay, so Chavo, or actually Tommy Blackett come out, come out first. Okay. The, he used to write for WWE. Oh, right. Um, told the story about delivering the hand. Oh, the May Young hand? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then, then Chavo came out. I'm not sure exactly what all was said. I know there was quite a few F-bombs. <laughs> dropped. And then, and then Barry came out? No, Barry came out at the, at at the, the end. end. Yeah. And what did he say? He said that... Um, the only thing he got to say was, yeah, I listened to the podcast, and this guy called me a dick. <laughs> really? pointed to Conrad. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Oh, I love Barry. I, I do like Barry a lot. It, it was great to see him. It had probably been, I don't know, a good 15, 20 years or so. I've been at several shows where he's there, yeah. and I just haven't had the opportunity to go like thank him for making Beyond the Mat and right? talk to him. So when I saw that, he was there, and I didn't go. I was so pissed at myself. Mm. <sighs> Next so, time. Yeah. And then we went out to, uh, after the show was over, we went to, uh, god damn it, uh, what's the name of that place? The Rainbow? No. Uh, it, it was a really nice place. Let's you just put it nice that restaurant? way. Yeah. Nice. And I'll probably think of the name of it. Uh, in the middle of the... I mean, it was expensive. Oh, yeah? yeah? Was it in West Hollywood, or yeah. what was it? It was in downtown. Did Bruce foot the bill It was for a that? steakhouse. Oh, oh. Oh, I know. Morton's? No, not Morton's, but one of those, like Fleming's? Yeah. yeah Fleming's. Oh, yeah. Fleming's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is not yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lou ate very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she oh, did. Lucy. <laughs> oh, Lucy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that picture with you and Lou. That should be like your profile picture. It was Which so one? funny. The one with you and you holding Lou and you're like on the stage. Oh, yeah. Just, just so like. I was hoping that you would uh, lighten that picture up when I sent it to you, Jimbo. Me? Yeah. Oh, my bad. I should have done it before I sent it to you. Uh, someone tweeted that. It was the highlight of their night. Yeah. Seeing oh, yeah. you come out that. with a dog strapped to your chest. <laughs> it was for awesome. Conrad because yeah. he, did, he didn't, like, uh, he hadn't seen me when I got there. He was already out on stage. 
So when I came walking out on stage with Lou strapped to my chest, he just <laughs> shit, like his grin went from ear to ear. He was so happy. Yeah, all of them were really cool. Yeah. And then after that, No Mercy. Yes, no mercy. no mercy. Yeah, but, you know, honestly, I got up the next day, and it was really hard to get out of the door and get down there to go downtown. I was just like kind of just like, uh, I just kind of want to sit here and just maybe watch it on the network at, you know, on, on the network or, you know, to get in an Uber and drive all the way down there. But, um, you know, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. And because uh, then, you know, we'll talk about you know, Mercy in a little bit. But afterwards, uh, Sam Roberts obviously does the, the pregame show, right? Mm-hmm. And so afterwards, uh, Sam and I met Jim Norton down on uh, – down at the Sirius building, Wilshire, and then we uh, we recorded the the morning show. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was like we record. It was like only about six hours pre-recorded. It wasn't like we recorded it two days, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it was just it was just delayed a few hours. That's oh my all. Gosh, I love Jim Norton. Oh, it was so funny. It's hilarious. Yes, and then, um, which reminds you know his character Chip Chipperson. Have you ever heard it? Ooh. Anyways, he has a, a really wacky character and. Uh, he came here and there's a he has a Chip Chipperson podcast and so he did it from here. On, oh yeah, I on heard. Monday. I heard about yeah. that. I heard he was in character. Yeah. And some of the girls, you know, some of the girls here, some of the ladies, uh, Roxy Stryer. Anyways, some of the ladies that that here at After Buzz were there. And, uh, it's an interesting. Show yes. They all yes. had a good time. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we uh, what what what's on. Uh, What's been going on? Do we want to talk about No Mercy? Yeah, or do let's talk we want about to... No Mercy. Should think, we get into that, or think... is there anything else to talk about first? Well, I mean, chronologically, it'd be like No that Mercy, would be the and one. then the invasion. Yeah, okay. All right. So, so let's talk no about Mercy. No Mercy. Well, I thought I thought No Mercy was a really good show, honestly. Okay. I mean, aside from the main event, I thought the show was a lot of fun. There was a lot of shocking things. Of course, Enzo taking the cruiserweight, the cruiserweight title was very shocking. Uh, I really enjoyed the Cena-Roman Reigns match. I thought I, I, I had a great time. I know some people were like, Ugh. but for me, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great, you know? And uh, Cesaro getting his teeth knocked out was oh insane. Gosh, was I mean, I, I don't know. It was quite an adventure, honestly. I thought this was a fun show for LA considering we hadn't had a pay-per-view I believe all year if I'm correct here and maybe yeah. yeah so I thought it was a great show yeah I was sitting there when during the during the tag title match I was sitting there next at the gorilla position next to uh next to Triple H and you know and next to him is is Vince and so you know Hunter's telling me about I, I can't remember what exactly he was talking to me about at that moment but that's when that's when uh, Cesaro hit the post, and you know, Ooh. all of a sudden his teeth are gone, and and so still wrestling. Yeah, and Hunter's talking to me and and not paying attention, and Vince is like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy!" I don't know if they're. I think they said that they were either going to replace his teeth, but now they're thinking about maybe like trying to Pull save his out. teeth. I don't know, but mm. I, I mean, if I were him, I'd be freaking out. But I'm sure he's not freaking out about it. But well, I mean, it's crazy. Do? Well, they said, it's too late. I mean, they said his teeth went out, like into the gums. Yeah. So what he probably can do is they can do like veneers, so like attach a veneer to the teeth. So I mean, because he's still gonna wrestle, so they might break again anyway. So mm. wow. Well, I mean, I, I didn't mean to jump jump that far into the. Show. No, I, I thought that that was the oh best match of the entire pay-per-view. Yeah, far. it was. It yeah. was the most whole, entertaining. A good event uh, on the whole. Just being there was a, it was a great event. You enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed okay. it a lot. 
So, All right. but you only want to go by um, match by match. Well, I think talking about the Cesaro situation. So you're backstage. Vince is freaking out. What are they saying? Are well, he's they not like, freaking out. He no. just was like, you know, wasn't happy. Well, because here's the deal. That blood policy is like you start bleeding, the match gets stopped, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, hap- that's what happened at NXT. It's happened before, NXT. yeah. And on a house show, let alone on pay-per-view mm-hmm. and, you know, all that. But, you know, so I think they were just trying to salvage the match without having to stop it because they had, you know, plans, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Well, what did you guys think about the main event? Yeah. I think it was I a don't know. Shocking. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. You, I... You know, I was one, I was thinking about this, before, you know, before the show, and even like heading up. To, I'm like, well, how do I just how do I talk about this on the show? Like, and do it like you know. I was just really, really let down by that, and I can't imagine. Like, did you did you think Braun just, was going to win, or did you? Yeah, yeah, did I think Braun was going to win? Yeah. No, no, I did not. No, and that and he shouldn't have. That's not the, that wasn't the point. It was just. Uh, he got he just got beat with one one uh, F five, and okay I mean it's yeah Brock it's a good idea to give Brock a strong win but like that's that's not where I would have done that yeah you know that just to me it felt like it way it wasted a, a main event that down the road could have drawn like a lot bigger numbers yeah. mm-hmm. and and you know um and and they just just kind of flushed it down the toilet. Yeah. The weird part about this was that this was during the moment of the match where I felt like, you know, people were kind of like, you know, you could be looking around. Some people could have been on their phone. Mm -hmm. And, like, when it ended, I was just like, wait, what? Like, this is it? And even afterwards, everyone was just standing there, and people didn't know whether or not to go home after this. They were were just like, okay, this is it. What's happening here, you know? So that was the bad part, I think. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, it still doesn't. And this was the match that I feel like most people were looking forward to on this card. Absolutely. I personally was. So I was really, really It's honestly the only match that, if you ask me what's on the show, that was the only match that really came to mind, unless I really thought about it. You know, that was, it was, as far as big matches go, it was a one-match show. Yeah, well, think, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. Roman, Roman and, and, and Cena. Cena was a good one, too. Yeah. I think this pay-per-view was like, oh, it kind of looks cool. But when that was announced, everyone's like, oh, we have to go to No Mercy mm-hmm. to see this match. Yeah. And when I saw how much time they had... I, I knew it would be short, but I didn't know it would be yeah. that short, like one F5, and it was done. Especially in the match prior, uh, F or uh, attitude adjustment off the second rope, and then two more, and Rain still kicked out, and then one F5, and Braun's done. So it was just like weird, like finishers being finishers, yeah, that's cool, but when in the match before it took three and the guy still wasn't done, mm-hmm. but one F5 and he's done. Same with Joe. Joe took one F5 and he was done. I felt so bad for the people I came with just went and got a full beer. <laughs> took, like, two sips, and the match ended. And they are like, the match is over? And then, yeah, like you, people were waiting for JoJo to announce, like, thank you, guys. Please come back. We'll be back for this. And show's over. Because yeah. everyone's like, wait a minute. I think they even played, well, they played bronze music afterwards, and people who were already walking out were like, wait, something else is going to happen? No, he's just walking out of, you know, the ring. So I, I think that it was kind of a letdown for everybody, but it wasn't enough to say, like, oh, this pay-per-view was bad. No, because it was a great pay-per-view, I think. Yeah. And the women's match was really good. Oh, I really enjoyed it. I hope, I wanted Nia to win. I wanted her to take the powerbomb to the outside. 
sneak in right at the end and drop a leg and just steal a victory. Well, I was shocked. I don't know how you guys felt. I thought Nia Jax was more over here in L.A. that she's been in any other city that they've been uh, yeah. to. I was, I, was, I was wondering. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that Nia was this over until like I'm sitting here experiencing it. I mean, I was definitely rooting for Alexa Bliss, but nonetheless, I thought that was actually pretty shocking for the women's match. I like Nia. I was hoping she would win. What do you think her, like, the setup is for, like, I don't see it. I feel like, you know, she's she's getting chances. We're excited she might get, you know, get the opportunity, excited that she might actually get the belt, and then she's like, nope. You know, it seems like they kick her back a couple. Like, is there, do you think they have a storyline set up for her, or are they trying to figure out what to do with her, or? I don't know. I have no idea what they, what they're, what they have going on right now with, with all of that. I, uh. You know, it does get frustrating for for the fans of of any superstar when they're you know like I'm going to use um, Bray Wyatt for example, who's so good, mm-hmm. I'm such a big fan of his, and they've just been um, using him. I mean, they, I mean, he's been losing, and you know, people who say ah oh, wins and losses don't matter. That's bullshit. They matter. They don't. You know, they they matter. It's 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 that's something that's said uh, when it's convenient. I'm sorry. There's some people that I love dearly that probably don't like me saying that, but it is. It's bullshit. Does it Wins do, and losses do matter. Does it do something for the psyche if you're if you're just set up to to lose so many times and then you're going out there and you're knowing, well, I haven't had a win in a long period of time? Does that do something to the psyche? Or are you it just can gonna... if you let it. You know, and that's the key um, to to dealing with that and and getting through that is not letting it show when you walk through the curtain. You still have to the go out. face? Yes. You can't go out of that curtain with, I'm going to get beat tonight again. Look on your face. Because I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people can't spot it, but they still spot it on a subconscious level. Yeah. You know? Yeah, with the, that's with a lot of things that, you know, you don't notice, like, consciously, like, oh, you, you can't, like, articulate, oh, this is what's going on. But on a subconscious level, we notice these things. Yeah, exactly. Especially since this was a match that a lot of people are like, oh, we're seeing it again. So that obviously must affect, you know, the guys were like, oh, you guys are like not excited yeah. for our match, you know, but, yeah. you know. And we, you know, we can talk about Ray Wyatt and, and, uh, and, and Balor and, uh, like, you know, I just said I'm a big fan of Wyatt's and I'm a huge fan of uh, Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. It was just, I, it was hard to, to care about the matches because of the build up. I, is, is that just me? No. No, it's a lot of people, I think. I wanted the demon. And it's not either one of those guys. Yeah, fault. why didn't he? I wanted the demon so bad. And especially when it started and he didn't come out as the demon. Yeah. And then he got hurt and they were walking him to the back. I was like, this is going to be so cool. He's going to go back. He's going to come out in the demon paint. We're going to have a great match. Nope. Yeah. Like, I, well. Is that his choice that or is that weird. the team? Like, what, what's the. I think they want to save it for big events, but I thought this would be a big event to do it at. Yeah. When's the next one? Survivor Series would be their next big event. Mm-hmm. Well, that's technically a, a bigger event than a than a No, no Mercy. Mercy. Yeah. yeah, but the face paint, especially with his whole promo of you think the man created the demon, but the demon's inside the man right. situation. And Why that, not? That's what I was expecting. Break out the paint. Yeah, yeah. yeah he um, Balor had some blue blue chunks on. I was asking him about that. He told me the story, and now I brain farted and can't remember what the Aww. story of the blue trunks were. <laughs> I thought were. they were, like, gray I thought silver. they were silver. Yeah. yeah. They were they uh, blue to me. He was wearing baby blues, huh? Yeah. yeah they were an interesting cut. So. Yeah. But that was the pay-per-view for the most part. I think. Yeah. What do you think of Cena and, and Roman Reigns? 
it wasn't it wasn't what it was it was a hell of a match but it wasn't on the level that both of those guys can uh can I've seen both of those guys in amazing matches and that wasn't up there in that you know category do you think they're saving that for a mania I have no idea I have no idea I just you know what I was I was wanting to see this is just this is just me you know after John raised his hand at the end like I would have loved to see just Range just like Sock you know, up. take it and then, like, as he's walking out, turn around and just level him, beat the shit that out of him, leave awesome. him laying because that would have been awesome because yeah. it would have extended the story. Like, I feel like okay, they built it up, we got to this point, and, and it's such a great between the two of them, yeah. they could have extended it even more. Like, I definitely want to see this fight here, but I would have probably preferred to see it in another pay per view or even WrestleMania because yeah. it, it seems like they can build it up. But when he did that and then Roman and then John Cena was sitting in the ring, everybody thought he was gonna retire. I'm just like, oh, this is the end of the story. Period. Someone on Twitter pointed out it's much like Rock and Cena, but the roles are reversed now. Mm-hmm. Like John is yeah. now playing the role of the rock and yeah. Roman is now playing That's the role a fair of way of putting it. Well they showed like that on um Raw the next day when they were showing like the videos on like how everything was kind of playing out. That's the video that they ended up showing too, so well, even yeah. then, I think the crowd kept going back and forth because at one point they were like, you both suck. I thought that was hilarious, <laughs> And then Cena's the ready way. to leave. Yeah. yeah. That was so funny. He's like, I'll, I'll leave. So right they now. were going back and forth one minute loving John Cena because I realized it was Roman Reigns. And then the next, it's like, no, I used to hate John Cena, so I'm going <laughs> back to hating John Cena. So it was just all over the place. I, like, I couldn't even read the crowd at some points. I was, I was yeah, like, yes, what are we I doing? No so I know we're booing Roman Reigns, but what's going on here with John Cena? Which I thought that was pretty exciting, and I almost feel like they kind of didn't. Ex- like Cena was a little like, dude, I'm supposed to be on your side now. You know, <laughs> like you guys are supposed to be cheer for me now, and this isn't happening. So that was interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with John. I'm sure he's going. He's going to go probably. shoot Bumblebee, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? Well, he yeah. did a, a interview after, and I think a couple of interviews after that, and he's like, he's 40. And he's like, there's only so much, you know, so far I can do with my body, et cetera. So it's probably going to be slowing down, and then... He deserves it, yeah. if that's what he wants to do. So, um, here's the thing is, is like the passing the torch thing, like, um, it doesn't work in, like it used to. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee that... People are going to, um, you know, embrace the person that the torch gets passed to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but that being said, you know, at the same at the same stage um, in careers or in pushes, you know, once they uh, decided they were going to run with uh, with these guys, mm-hmm. I think that Roman's right around the same. You know, you know, he's he's pretty much where he should be if you're comparing him to. Uh, to, to, to John because you know they had to force John down people's throats for quite a while mm-hmm. you know that's just the way it was I mean anybody that like takes exception with me saying that isn't really like you know um, good with the truth or very <laughs> honest about things well that's what I wanted to know like how how long do they push people so for instance like Jason Jordan like it feels like you know with the storyline and his father and all this other stuff you're like okay well they keep pushing him they keep pushing him like how long and it doesn't seem like the audience is really liking him right either way yeah so how long is there a certain amount of time where they're like okay this is not gonna depends on who whose idea it is well and what's the main goal i i personally think the main goal for jason jordan is to turn him heel and have him face kurt angle Mm -hmm. so this is right what they want they want 
to keep pushing him and everyone just like, oh, we liked him at first. We were happy. Right. And now we just hate him and we hate him more. Yeah. yeah. And we hate him more. It doesn't even feel like they and eventually he's gonna snap. hate them. It just feels like, yeah, whatever. But it, it feels like there's an irritation. It's like, okay, why are you pushing in? So I can I see what you're saying now. That that, that makes I sense. I think that eh, whatever irritation will eventually be like, damn it, why why is Jason Jordan back on TV? Why is he in this match again? And we've seen because this match tons of times. he's excellent. It's just that it's not, you know, fans don't want to be uh, told what who, they, who they're supposed to like or, or, or not like these days. They just don't take kindly to that. You have to fool them. <laughs> Isn't that how it's always been? Though? No, it, uh, no. Really? No, no, not at all. Maybe since you've been a wrestling fan, you know. But you're younger than I am. Yeah. So, yeah, when I was younger and even first starting wrestling, they said this is the guy, and people went, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> like freaking, you know. Why do you think that was though? That's just because that's that was the the um, the fans weren't as. Um, in the no, maybe? In the no, all of that. Like, they're just, you know, there, there wasn't this, they just showed up to watch their wrestling, yeah. you know, and that's, and they just wanted to, they didn't want to overanalyze it, and yeah, it's, it's just different now. They yeah, just believe. With everything, yeah, not just wrestling. So much. It's just, just taking yeah. wrestling as far as what you see, you know, per week, WWE and everything else, and then you have all the separate wrestling shows, yeah. and then you have, you know, the podcast, and you have the interviews, and all this other stuff. Like, you as a fan can get really into it, and then you can, you know, get more annoyed. And it's not just wrestling. Like, you know, it used to be like anything that the powers that be, like, uh, decided they're going to push on the on on the public, the public would would you know would gobble it up. Because I mean, I remember there used to be three. When I was still, when I was a kid, three three TV stations, well, three networks, and I, I know I'm sounding like one of those people, like <laughs> back in my day, <laughs> there were three, you know, there were four, maybe five total with the UHF station in in any given market, and uh, you know, whatever was on there is what you Watch. what you consumed, yeah, you consumed what was there to be, and, that, and there wasn't a lot, you know. So. Well, do you think social media also plays a role in that factor? I know I heard yeah, Nick course. talk about this in other interviews, but what a, a heel on TV is a dirty, nasty, rotten heel, and then you go on Twitter and he's like, oh, I'm a super happy family guy, and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go do make-a-wishes, and I'm going to go do all this stuff. It takes yeah. away from the character, and it's hard to okay. believe. Okay, that's, that's true, but, I mean, are we, like, are we going to not are we gonna not tell people that we're playing a character now and then try to, I mean, I... Can't have it both ways. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean. So, either just don't. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know, man. I don't know about that with the whole social media thing. I don't yeah. know how to how to. Uh, you know, there's some people are like, oh, you need to keep kayfabe on social media or whatever. I don't know if that's really like. I don't think that's the anywhere near the top of the list of problems with with wrestling. I think it's the product. You can't blame the crowd for for being dis, you know, uh, for being discriminating as far as I don't mean racially discriminating, or, but you know, as far as what they like or what they're going to accept. You can't blame them for wanting the best and knowing what what good what a good product is. You can't blame them. So no, it's not social media's fault. I don't think so at all. It's our fault. Uh, do you want to talk about your uh, your friend Enzo and Neville about his match? It was all right. 
it was all right. surprising. Yeah, no, it was, it was, you know. We should tell that story. <laughs> it's just that, you know, there was no, um, wasn't a lot, like, no, never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> well, so after the pay-per-view, I met up with Denise. And yeah. She was hanging out where all the wrestlers drive out. And every wrestler's like hide, like not really hiding in the car, but you could see that they just don't want to get bothered. Right. So they drive out, drive out, and then here comes Enzo with in a freaking convertible, holding the belt up, just of like course. yeah, what's up? Making a big show of it. They have like they're recording it. Yeah. It's insane. The fans oh are going gosh. crazy. You know what? I loved it. I thought I it was really funny. I don't have a problem so with that him. at all. That yeah. part's Definitely good. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It was, and he just drove off zooming, yeah. and you could still see the bell from, like, far yeah. away going under the underpass. It, it was hilarious. Yeah. So, yes, Enzo robs people the wrong way. Big time. That being said, still on my team. He gets because a reaction. Shit yeah. like that. Well, I mean, then they brought it on to the next day. Like, I, I love, I, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it's believable that he does rub people the wrong way. And then they No, it's 100% true. <laughs> so then they bring it in, and then the next day on Raw, like, that was kind of awesome how they brought the yeah. storyline in yeah. as well. So, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Enzo. I kind of actually like what they're, how, they're, how they're doing this. I do, too. I do. So, you know, there's people that are all up in arms and... Oh, he's killing the cruiserweight division. No, it's worse than not. Hornswoggle winning the title. No, and that's stuff. bullshit. That's bullshit. Sorry, that's bullshit. It's going to help. It might. It might be. Kind of. It might feel funky for those that like you know think that it should stay like curious maybe. Yeah, he's not a cruiserweight style wrestler. So what? There's plenty of other cruiserweight style wrestlers in that division. I do you like know? in his promo on Raw where he's like, you know, look what time it is. This is the last hour of yeah. Raw. This is the first time, like, Cruiserweight. That was kind of, it kind of, it would it would hurt if I were one of, it, I felt it both ways. So I definitely love that, like, how they're doing the storyline with this. Yeah. It gave that believability to, like, wait, what he's saying is really true right yeah. now. And, and he's got it. a point. I had a, something I saw, and it was like a, ba- it was a backstage uh, segment with Kurt Angle and, um, and Enzo. And uh, and uh, at the end of it, Kurt says, uh, "Can I give you some uh, friendly advice from oh, one?" Yeah. T- and he goes, "I'm good." <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so that uh, was no mercy. That was no mercy. You want to move on? I like your shirt, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, Thank did you. you wear that for a specific reason? No, but I, I guess it's it's um, fitting. Yeah. Sort of, I guess, for the next thing we're going to talk about, yeah. Bullet Club invasion of Raw. They crashed which I the thought party. Was, I, I, I don't think, well, from what I read, Vince is, wasn't too amused. Yeah? No. But. Like in a good way, too n- amused? or like No, wasn't too amused. Okay. Didn't think it was funny or, you know, anything along those lines. Well, yeah, I, I could see why he wouldn't. It's not right. part of his product. It's just yeah. something totally different. And they have a huge movement. So I and mean, then, you know, and I've read people go, "Oh, it was just a copy of what you know DX did." So what? So what? I think it was was brilliant, brilliant idea. So for the it might not who, have been an original idea, but it was a good. It was really smart of them. So the for the people who were living under a rock when this happened, so there was an appearance at Hot Topic um, with the Bullet Club, and um, it was a Hot Topic in Ontario where the raw for that day happened to be. So they decided to go over there with a mass of people and. Well, we had Kenny party. on the show, and we were talking about doing hot topic spot shows and yes. pop ups like that. I heard Matt Jackson say they didn't even tell the hot topic in Ontario that they were going; they just decided to go. Yeah. Good. 
So that's that how you do been, it. Yeah, that might have been emotion, and who knows? They're like, hey, you know, we're already here. Raw's right there. Let's rent a stretch limo and just drive over there. So, I saw a tweet, <laughs> and I saw that they were going to be at that hot topic, and I saw that it was in Ontario, and immediately I was like, huh, it's right down the road from Raw. So it was something that, like, came into my mind before they even did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you did it, you said you wish you would have went inside. Yeah. That should have been the first thing you did. Yeah. You think, what do you think as far as them doing it? Should they have done anything different? Should they have tried to go backstage? Did they do right the um, way they did it? Should they have all been in full gimmick? I don't know because, I mean, it was somewhat impromptu, I think, on their part. At least that's the way it, that's the way it came off. So, um, I don't know. I think they got the, they got it done. They got what they needed done. You know, I, it would have been it would have been uh, fascinating to see what would happen if they would have made it inside. Yeah. And they also gave a uh, speech from uh, the president from Independence Day <laughs> outside. Yeah. yeah, Bill Pullman's speech from oh Independence gosh. Day. Yeah. It was so funny because you could see the fans start to wait a minute. Do I know this? Yeah. I think I know what he's saying. And then towards the end, they're like, "Oh yeah, we know this speech." Yeah, it was great. I thought this was awesome. I mean, I know that obviously, like you said, some people may not be happy with it, like in the WWE. But the thing about this that I thought is that it's kind of, in a in a sense, kind of flattering that they're doing a spoof of something that this company did first you know else. i mean yeah it kind of you know people can say obviously it made them look bad in terms of the fan that said oh he got the free tickets for the wwe and that made them you know look uncool but it's the same thing that happened you know originally same we did. exactly yeah. so i mean to me it's a little bit flattering because obviously you know they're fans of the company and stuff yeah. like that and i thought it was pretty cool the funny thing though that i started thinking about this was so they posted it in the morning on twitter that they were going to be there right i was i was i was wondering like, how many people just like decided to like call in sick to their job and be like I'm not going today I'm gonna go to hot Top- well not telling the boss that I'm gonna go to hot topic and I'm gonna be there for them you know and stuff yeah. like that so I thought that was kind of funny so many people I had actually because I do like um, Hollywood tours for TMZ sometimes I mean I had a lot of people from No Mercy that were on the bus and they were like they're not supposed to even be like in the states they came from other states to watch WWE and you know it's just if, if people don't, if your bosses even know what's going on in wrestling, then yeah, just make up a story and go, Dan, why not? Exactly. Once in a lifetime opportunity. I thought it was great, and it just helps move that, like you would say, move the needle forward. Mm-hmm. Now, what's going to happen next time? They're all in the same town together. And I loved all the, like, Finn Balor, are you in there? Carl Anderson, are you in there? Luke Gallows, like, call it out oh, for God. their buddies mm-hmm. and stuff. That was, it was great just, they were par- they, It was just, it was a parody of what we did. Yeah. And it, they, they, that was... How well it was intended to be. Yeah. I mean, obviously, with the, the Independence Day speech, yeah. the basically doing the same thing that we did, and even the free tickets thing. I didn't see that part. They did that? Yeah. They interviewed, like, a fan or something. Yeah. Yeah, because I told you about what we did with the, the free tickets thing at the WCW invasion. No. They had the, the, the big marquee outside the building, yeah. and it said WCW Nitro. And then there was another event there that was right after it, and it said free tickets. So I just said, hey, why don't you take the um, WCW Nitro uh, on there and film that and then film the free tickets part and then Cut splice it together. it together. Yeah. 
honestly and I feel like this was also the best time for them to do it I mean they're so hot right now the Bullet Club mm-hmm. the Young Bucks all of them you know they're hot this is the time to do it I feel like a lot of times we've been seeing a lot of things not happen at the moment that they're hot and mm-hmm. wrestling and then they happen afterwards but no this is happening I think at a great time and it was exciting to see and I'm I'm, I'm proud of their creativity and I got sucked into the YouTube channel being the elite yesterday I was just watching all these videos and they have some good good stuff on there tna tried to do this once to wwe it just didn't work as well with they didn't i tr- with road dog and abyss and conan and r-truth i think well and then when when i came in with uh came into tna with scott and kevin and bischoff and hogan were there like the i said i said you know if you guys you know really wanted to fire the first shot and the war like they said i said you'd go and invade them like i even told Bishop, I said, why don't you give them a taste of their own medicine? And that nobody wanted to do it. Hmm. <laughs> you know? So um, that would have been a big up. Op- that would have, they missed a big opportunity there, I think. Things might have went a little bit different. Probably not since man, the, that company was so mismanaged, it's not even funny. But all right. Let's take a break now and we'll come back with, uh, with uh, Magnus. Magnus. I don't know why I had a brain fork there. <laughs> all right. Be right back. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from the Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360. Joining us on Skype right now, he was at Warmer uh, TNA and Impact and uh, GFW World Heavyweight Champion. His name is Nick Aldis, and he's known as Magnus. Thank you for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I was just, Nick, I was just telling them that, you know, when, um, uh, when I blew my bicep and my pec, and my pec tendon, you were my partner that night. Yeah. That was yeah. a bad one, man. It didn't look that bad at the time, did it? Yeah, I, the only thing I really remember about that about prior to the injury was you kind of saying that you were a little bit, like you were worried about it and it was a bit dinged up. And then, of course, Murphy's Law, like the guys we were working with in that tag, you kind of went through that particular spot with them very, very carefully and said, it's really important that you feed in like, right away and like don't delay because if you do i'm gonna have to come flying over and like run into the rope and there's an and, and of course like put it the in the guy, universe the and, guy did he not do exactly what i told him not to yeah 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 and bless and that heart. in the end yeah bless his heart and and um and i was hot right i mean you when you were yeah. going when you were getting ready to make the hot tag i already knew the guy wasn't get gonna he like he was outside the ring still could you and i was yeah. yelling get in the effing ring Oh, it, it, it was one of those one of those moments where I, you feel like you feel bad for the guys, but at the same time you go in like, "Come on, guys! Like, there's no excuse here. Like, it wasn't like the, the there was no room for error on that. Like, he he told you exactly how to feed yeah. it, and it's just it wasn't even it wasn't a difficult thing. It's just it's just having that high standard. Like, and it's just I think that's just the, you know when they haven't worked with the guy at your level, 
like they just don't realize that especially guys from your era like they just had no idea like what kind of pace you guys used to cut so they were just everything's a bit more methodical and they were just kind of uh like da di da like come fly and it was and as soon as you went flying over there i saw you like hit the top rope and you kind of mashed into him and the rope at the same time and i just heard you go like god damn and i said oh shit. yep <laughs> yeah i knew right away but then i got yeah. back then we got back to the uh to the dressing room and i got hot right and, oh yeah but then i kind of calmed down and i'm taking my time and i'm trying to explain to them things and meanwhile my freaking arm and, and my shoulder and everything are starting to blow up and i have a three and a half hour drive back oh and it was brutal. that's what like you it. could see it like it was starting to go purple it, it yeah. reminded me of when i i tore my bicep down in mexico and it was the same thing it was like it it, it was it was swollen and then it was red and then suddenly within like an hour it was purple and you start going like, ooh, this, yeah. this is good. Can I tell you my favorite? The, the, it was it was bad, but I was secretly laughing on the inside. And I can tell you about it now. Yeah. But there's one, I was laughing so hard on the inside. You you were giving the guy the Bronco bust in the corner and cutting a promo on him at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you're like this. Like, you're giving the Bronco bust. And you're like, you stupid mother effer. Yeah. I told you not to do that. Like, <laughs> Uh, oh, geez. Anyway, <laughs> hey, where's it? When did we first meet? I always ask. I always ask people that. Like, I think uh, it was TNA in Orlando, had, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It had to be um, probably around twenty eleven ish because I started in TNA in two thousand nine, and I yeah. think that. When did the you, Bischoff Hogan and all and all that stuff happen? Because my, like, those years are a little bit sketchy to me. I can't place where I like where I was to what year. Like so. When was that? I think they they came in at the beginning of 2010. So yeah, yeah it, might, it probably was 2010 actually. Cause yeah, because you, yeah, you came, you and Scott came in the same day, right? On the, the same time. Either that or maybe like the next week. I can't remember yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I remember running into you. Um, you know, obviously meeting you at the show, and then running into you at the Ale House because back then, like Kevin was, he was the first. Um, he was the first sort of real big name guy who, who sort of took a liking to me and, and took me under his wing and would, would come out with me and stuff like that and, you know, educate me at the bar and stuff. Yeah. So they had that little bit of a, a, a cushion when I met you where I was like, okay, you know, I'm friends with Kevin, so that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. <laughs> friends with Kev. <laughs> that means you're friends with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was intimidated, you know, like, because for me, like, I was, I was born in 86 and it was like, I... I I got thrown in at the deep end so much at TNA. Like, and my first thing I'm doing there is I'm surrounded by like Mick Foley, Kurt Angle, Booker T, and Scott Steiner, and Kevin, and Sting, and it was just like I'm going. Oh, like, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to. It's really hard to um, to to go straight from you know meeting them for the first time to then trying to be like a peer because you don't know how much you're supposed to sort of act cool but not act like you know but not look like you you think you know what you're doing you know it's a really hard kind of thing to navigate at first yeah yeah and but you know i want to go back uh before them because i was reading that that you know when you first started that you were teaming with like doug williams and stuff like that mm -hmm. but like i don't know who trained you uh i actually i started with the knights i started with, oh uh, yeah 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 so i'm like, from i'm from norfolk so like that was it's funny because Norfolk is a, a small county on, in the east of England and no one, no one really of any merit, you know, comes from there very often. And, yeah. and then suddenly 
like arguably, I, I guess at one point at least, the, the sort of the two, the, the the TNA champion and the WWE Women's Champion were both from from Sleepy Old Norfolk, so it was kind of right. interesting. But yeah, I broke in with um, with, with Ricky and Julia. Huh? We're having a we're having a little bit hard time hearing you, Nick. Oh, sorry, I might have had my. Uh, is that better? Yeah, much go. better. You also trained with Harley Race, right? I did train with Harley, um, but just I came and did like one of his camps. He would do these. He would do these. He would do these uh, week-long camps. So I made a little trip of it once. I'd been I'd been working probably a year and a bit, and then I came over and did Harley's camp, and then also went to uh, went bounced around a couple other places, Atlanta and uh, some other other stops to just just to sort of try and get a bit of seasoning in different yeah. areas because the American style was. I knew that that was what you were going to have to do if I was going to get on TV and, or, you know, and get a shot anywhere because, and, and I knew that a lot of the training I'd had had been much more focused on mat wrestling and, you know, what they call chain wrestling, which British wrestlers hate, you know, be, they hate like Robbie Brooks. I was always like, it's not chain wrestling. It's just wrestling, you know, yeah, that's, what, that's exactly the same thing that Regal says. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, um, but that, you know, that style, right, the, the sort of exchanging holds and all the rest of it. And so that part of it, I, I was I, I felt like I had an adequate knowledge of it. But what I knew I needed to work on was like my footwork and my explosiveness and my bumps and, and all that kind of thing. I mean, gotcha. Bumping and feeding, because I knew that even then I knew that my role was most likely going to be a heel for most of my career. So yeah. I knew that bumping and feeding was sort of the main skill set required. So you think that, um, in, in your opinion, like the bumping and feeding aspect is, is different between the, uh, the American style and the British style? I think that, I think that not so much now. I think uh -huh. that there's, I just think that this, the places where I learned the, the, the most of the guys were teaching, they, they had, they were not them, themselves that, that, uh, well, schooled in that style because yeah. they had come from a different era sure you know so it was it wasn't like i was trying to you know it wasn't like i was we we knew what we had to do i just knew that the best way to do it would be to you know to surround myself with the, the best people at doing it which yeah. was the americans sure um did you ever work the rounds matches yeah. and rounds how'd you enjoy yeah, that the, there was a um there was a promotion down in the south of england called premier promotions who oh is that dixon uh, that wasn't Dixon. That was um, uh, his name was John Freeman, all the promoter, oh, okay. and he would exclusively do. He would still do the traditional shows in rounds. And I um, it was actually one of my first. I think it was my second or third ever singles match I ever had was with Doug Williams in a rounds match, yeah. and that was kind of the thing that, at least in in part of the UK scene, kind of helped get me on the map. Was that Doug? You know, Doug kind of endorsed me after that and said. He had come to Drop Kicks, which is the school I was training at, and uh -huh. he had come as a guest trainer because we had, it was it was in a good spot. It was near London, so you had a lot of people that would come in and out. Like Steve Gray would come, and Johnny Saint would come, and different nice. guys would come in and out all the time. So you got this nice kind of sprinkling of of knowledge from all these different guys, which, as you know, is like the best way to learn. And Doug would come every now and then, and I rolled around with him. And obviously, at that time, the thing that got me more bookings than anyone else was from that school was just because I had a look, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. had a bit of a physique. So, and then Doug, Doug said, I'm going to try and get you booked with this promotion. Like, and we can do a match in rounds and I can, you know, hold, like lead you through it, hold your hand and stuff. And, uh, after that it was, you know, like that was when things started to pick up for me. So it was kind of funny how then a few years later it came sort of full circle where 
to in order for Doug to get an opportunity with TNA, they were looking for a tag partner for me. So yes. it was kind of cool that they went with him. Yeah, I uh, I liked the round. I wish that there would be that uh, that would be a, a thing in, in in the UK still. Like it, you don't see it as much. Like the, you were talking about the styles, they've kind of meshed a lot, right? And a lot of the promoters um, in the UK kind of Americanized when it came to that. Yeah, yeah. The thing, the thing is when 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 World of Sport came off television in in the it finally came off for good in the 80s like it it had been sort of it had been slowly sort of getting like worse time slots and yes. this and that and it was like losing its luster and the, the 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 problem is is that what was happening was that with the advent of satellite you know the audience the the thing that british wrestling never did was they didn't move with the times in terms of production value right. so it, it, no one was paying attention to the fact that in the ring you had like Dynamite Kid, Fit Finley, you know, Rollable Mark Rocco, all these guys who have like innovated this style that's still prevalent today. Yeah. Um, way ahead of their time, but you know, the production value wasn't there, so it was just a dingy hall with a, you know, small little ring and, you know, sort of very, very, very old fashioned sort of presentation. You know, once they once they saw the WWF, it was just like lights out for kids because they were just like, wow, like, look at these guys with huge muscles and all these lights and fireworks and this and that. And it would. So all the promoters, especially like Dixon and guys like that, who their, their focus was making money. They didn't you know, they weren't uh, they weren't marks. So it's, right. it's not really the right word, but, you know, they weren't. They weren't sort of purists. They weren't just going to hold on to it for the sake of it. The guys who wanted to make money. Dixon was just like, all right, this is what they want. I'm going to give yeah. them that. You know, I was. You were just mentioning the the size of the ring, and uh, mm. and yes, that that did stand out when I and and you know it doesn't look good, but it it, it, it there's better action that happens in a smaller ring, Nick. The action yes, is a lot tighter. It forces guys to have good footwork for yes. sure. Yeah, so I kind of wish that the rings would be a little smaller, just for the action. Do you? Yeah, I kind of do, man. I, I I always I always enjoyed working in a smaller ring, Nick. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I didn't I, mind the bigger ones either. I mean, I'm fine in either way, but I didn't mind the smaller rings like at all. Like an 18 all. or a 16. Either one, man. Well, normals are, even normals are 20. In England, right? in England, like 16 was was probably the normal, and then yeah. sometimes it would even be smaller than that. Yes. But like 18 was was large, and there was never a 20, never a 20. Right. Or 20. And, you know, um, I was talking about rounds and how the rounds. Uh, or something that that made you know British wrestling distinct. Also, the yellow and red card, and you don't see that anymore. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I love the that. Public warn- and public warnings, right? Yeah, there, there's definitely some elements, and I, I, you know, I can say this now, and and I hate to, I hate to be one of those guys that said I said that we should do this, and I said we should do yeah. that. But when when I was when I had the the, the title in TNA. Uh, and they and I was working a program with Joe, which I was which I loved. You know what I mean? Because it was oh, I just had I just loved working with him, especially as a heel. Um, one of the things that I had suggested was let me w- let me do let me work a match with Joe in rounds. Yes. Like let's do a match in rounds. And you, do you remember when when Regal worked with Jericho and they did like the Duchess of Queensbury rules? Yes. <laughs> and they and they, and the whole gimmick was that like he was the only one who knew the rules. So like, yeah. he, so like the, Jericho would hit him with something and then they'd be like, Oh, I've just been informed that, uh, that uh, under Duchess of Queensbury rules, uh, this is not allowed, you know? And, it, and I was like, we could sort of work something similar where we did, we did it a couple of times on, we did sort of something similar on house shows where I would, I would 
go out and roll out and demand that like Earl Hebner give Joe a public warning and stuff yeah. like that. And then Earl would be like, what the hell's that? You know, like, just give it to him. You know, so we, we tried to tried to get there. But I thought it would have made great TV because the thing with rounds is you can create that drama of he hasn't beat. He hasn't beat all the, t- the time run out. In yes. the round. You know, so yeah, as you, you can, see now in UFC and you can do like um small sets of heat and small comebacks yeah. and and, and yeah. it just it just gives to me it just gives it an opportunity to have a lot more uh you know uh peaks and valleys and whatnot in the matches totally yeah. i tell you what else it did for me especially in the i mean i didn't work a ton of matches in round but i had enough to 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 understand to you know to get a feel for it and the other thing it does is it allows you the chance to to ad lib but yeah. without hanging you out to dry right so you could have like one spot planned for a round, you know, or one fall. And that would be like, and basically the veteran would go, okay, you know, we'll just keep working around. And if you get lost or it's not going well, we'll just go to the fall, Yeah, you know? So it was kind of like you had that safety net of like, all right, let's see if you can think for yourself and ad lib and handle it. And if you can't, like, it doesn't matter because we'll just go to the fall or we'll just, you know, we'll only have a couple of minutes here and then the round will end anyway. And then we can, you know, kind of reset. And then, like, yeah, and, and to go with what you're saying, like, if the crowd's not buying what you're selling, you have time that you can reset. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Was that something you learned in the Dixon camps as far as crowd work? Uh, when the crowd's not I, buying what you're selling, uh, and you have to change your... Yeah, 100%. I think that you could... I think if you look at... There's a huge amount of the guys who, who especially ones who had staying power on the WWE roster, like, look at Sheamus, you know, like, what a career he's had. Yep. Um, da- I know that I know that Daniel Bryan really credits his time on on the camps to sort of get him to that that giving him those that skill set to to work the crowd rather than just be a great wrestler which he yeah. already was that he get he got that final piece of the puzzle. Um, just for me, there was just these you know just that that repetition you know six days a week of all Bri- all Bryan cared about was that they were making noise from start to finish. So you was you were sent out there and you just had to work the crowd like almost to the point where it was you know too much right like most 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 guys would watch it now and go oh they're working the crowd too much they're hot doggy yeah but like right. here's the thing man like and i i didn't mean to cut you off but i just no, no. i just thought of something when when uh pwg uh battle uh, bola was was happening i was talking to flash webster morgan flash morgan webster flash morgan webster sorry yeah and i was noticing he was on the apron during the tag match and most guys sit on the apron and they're just catching their breath and, and resting. And he's working that apron harder than the guys working in the ring. Right. And I was I was like, man, good for you. That's how you do yeah. it. And he goes, I learned that in the summer camps or however, yeah, well, whatever you put you, it. Um, you had you had Marty on your show recently, right? Yeah. Marty's curl, yeah. Yeah, and that's a, another perfect example. Like we did the camps, and it was one, once you do that, like you don't have that fear anymore of you you know how to commit. Like yeah. you commit to working the audience and talking and like, you know, being a hundred percent committed to the to performance aspect of it rather than just the physical, you know, the, the physical kind of, uh, part of the match, just the, you know, the, the fight scene of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Do they film any of the matches that go on in these camps? Yeah. Was there any footage, any of that stuff, Nick? Uh, I'm sh- I'm sure there is. I mean, you know, I used to, I used to film some of my matches and stuff like that. I mean, but it would all just be, am- you know, I'm sure it would all just be like amateur yeah, but it's still, stuff, it's still, but it would film. still pretty be pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I'm know? sure there is. I mean, the, I'm sure if you go, 
especially the guys, you know, the guys who get it, like, yeah. the, you know, Drew, like Drew and Seamus and guys like that who went on and like Wade Barrett and stuff. I'm sure that they all probably filmed their stuff, too. So there's probably some really for for diehard fans. There's probably some really interesting um, like eight man tags, because I remember we do a lot of eight man tags where it'd be like Seamus, Drew, myself you know stew and then it would be like uh renee dupree and piella feet you know and, and i i tagged with with oh um, carl Brian. carl yeah yeah carl Ouellette. Yeah, yeah i loved working with him yeah he's great i loved working with him he was so great yeah so there's interesting renee, combinations renee I dupree, tagged with not Brian so much but too. anyways <laughs> well nick prior to your tna debut you were part of a uk revival for gladiators how did you get involved in that and how did your pro wrestling training help you with that well, it's interesting we were talking about the camps because it was because of the camps I actually got that gig too. Um, so a friend of mine, well, a couple of friends of mine, the UK Pitbulls, who are these two big super heavyweight dudes, uh, they they were registered with a couple of agencies and they would get, they would do like periodical, periodically they'd do these sort of TV roles where they'd be like, you know, meatheads or like muscle guy, you know, whatever, right? They're big, big, you know, super heavyweight ball guys. And one of them got a, a casting brief for this other show for like a live. It was like a live motorbike stunt show thing. Um, it was sort of like a Mad Max type of live event show. And they, they were casting for they wanted a guy who was tall, but had a, a like but had like a good physique and was willing to if he had a mohawk, great. Or if he was willing to shave a mohawk in and, and you know have a goatee and stuff like a Chuck Liddell kind of look. Right. Yeah. And, and so he's my friend Dave sent it to me and said, you should go for this. Like I'm too fat. <laughs> He's like, you should do, you know, you should do this. And you know, I'm making, I'm making like 40 quid a night on the camps. Right. So this, and this thing was paying like two grand for a week for two weeks. So I was like, hell yeah. Like, okay, cool. So I put in for it they, and, and I got the gig. So it was fun, you know, and it was just, and I basically just had to stand there because they wanted a wrestler because they just wanted someone who could work a crowd right. while these guys were doing like this sort of Thunderdome, stuff in the background these like stunt bikes and stuff oh, so you didn't um, have to get physical with anybody no no it was just huh. it was just like i basically played this role of like the i think it was called the judge and you okay. basically just played this role of like a you know when you go to theme parks and stuff you see these like stunt and they have like someone playing a a character and who's kind of like behold like i am the so and so it was like that kind of stuff like right. real cheesy like so um, is it not like know? american gladiators it's a little bit different. no 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 but no no this, no, this is, is a different it, show it, it leads to that oh, okay. um the the director of that show after we'd finished he was like hey you know you i'm a talent i have a talent agency too um i don't you know mostly mostly cast stunt guys and stuff but you know if, if you want like i could put you on the books you know you never know something might come up and i said yeah sure and then just as luck would have it, um, a couple of a, a couple of months later, the casting thing came through for Gladiators. But the original reason he cast me was that he came to the camps, and and saw me like work the crowd and cut a promo and stuff, and was like, "That's my guy." Awesome. So it nice. all kind of led to that, and that's how I got the audition, then got the part. You were the big O Oblivion in UK yeah. Gladiators. The challenges that you went through. Did they make you go through the same challenges they put the contestants through, or they just want you in tip-top shape so you could take out the contestants? When you say challenges, do you mean in the, like in the, the auditions and the tryouts? No, just like like on the show itself, when you have to run through like the gauntlet with the guys with the the block crash pads yeah. and all that stuff. We, we I mean, we would do, do that, that in well? training, but obviously our role was you know we we were the other side of the coin, right? So we would practice 
we would practice the events, but from the gladiator side. Exactly. Sometimes we would, we would, one of us would play the role of the contender for training or whatever. But no, like, um, but I do remember the auditions were, were were brutal. Like they did them at an army barracks. Yeah. Like they took us to an army barracks, and there was like me and uh, me and Bram went to those auditions, and we were like the youngest guys there. I was like twenty, and there was all these guys at the auditions, and they were. I mean, some of them I recognized from films and from television and from like Muscle and Fitness and stuff. And I was just going like, oh, I'm going to get smoked. Like I'm never going to get this part. Whatever. Let's just have fun. And I made it through the first round of cuts with the physical stuff. Yeah. And then, and then they broke out cameras and they just were like putting cameras in people's faces and going, okay, talk, go. And so many of these guys just, just disintegrated, you know, they just couldn't handle it. Yeah. And that was luckily for me, you know, that was where they saw something and was like, okay, you know, we, we can go with this kid. We'll give him a shot. Did so- you ever knock the living shit out of anybody when you were doing that? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There was a cut, like one guy went to the hospital. Um, there was a couple of guys that just, you know, that. That after you, you knew you knew you'd like you'd messed them up pretty well, and then conveniently the next day they'd be like pulled out with an injury, you know, sure. and they'd have to put the other, they'd put someone else in and stuff. But I mean, there was some, you know, the games are pretty controlled and stuff. But I remember I was undefeated in season one on Earthquake, which was like the sort of wrestling kind of it was like sort of sumo wrestling, but on like a moving platform. It was sort of like ridiculous. hanging but, from a scaffold, uh, and it yeah. like rotates, and gotcha. you got to push the other guy off. That's but like this, this one kid, and the funny thing was, is that his last name was McMahon. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, I smashed him in like three seconds, and he hit like as he went off, he like his body sort of flipped into the one of the steel cables yeah. that was holding the thing up, and he just, and it like whipped him around like a pretzel, like and I, as he Damn. went, oh, that had to hurt. So, Nick, did that did that lead you into getting the, the the gig presenting for the world's strongest man or the British British strongest man stuff? No, that no that that came that came from TNA, but Gladiators did lead to me getting the TNA gig. Were you happy when they gave you the Gladiator gimmick and TNA, and how did you feel when they finally dropped it? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I we I was actually just having this conversation with someone today. I was training with my buddy and he's a manager at Gold's and I went into his office and he had like a gladiator helmet sitting there. And I was like, Oh, having flashbacks to my awful, <laughs> like, first gimmick. And, uh, I don't know what happened there. Cause you know, I, I still talk to Vince Russo and, and, and Dutch and stuff like that. And, and, and they all, now they all sort of laugh. I go, it wasn't me. It was him. You know, they all sort of passed the buck. Right. But it was, I don't know. Basically whoever, whoever it was obviously hadn't figured out that I was on, the British version of American Gladiators. Like, I wasn't a Roman Gladiator. You know what I mean? I wasn't playing like a Roman Gladiator on a TV show. Anyway, somewhere, but somewhere along that line of communication, it got messed up. And then, so I get to the, I get to Nashville to do my vignettes and I'm reading this stuff and I'm going, what, 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 what am I doing? Like, and they were like, yeah, you're, you know, you're a Roman Gladiator. Like you're, you know, and I just sort of went, okay. And then they, they gave me that helmet and stuff, and I just... Oof. Well, that's what happens when you're named Magnus. <laughs> they, well, and remember, when I, I was called Brutus Magnus at first, right. which was horrible. So. <laughs> that, you mean you didn't come up with that? <laughs> you would think See, that... that the, well, tell us who did, please. Dixie. Ah, come on, <laughs> never would have guessed. Well... <laughs> Well, all, well, that's that's the word anyway. Right. You know, like I remember Dutch came up to me one day and goes, "You know who came up with your name, right?" And I was like, 
no, he's like Dixie because he obviously knew I hated it. And, yeah, uh, yeah, but I don't know. But you were, I, I was really, um, I, I thought that it was a good move making you the champion there because you weren't, it was like obviously you weren't a WW, uh, WW, you weren't a Titan guy, you weren't a WWE guy, and you're, you're homegrown, like. I guess considered like a homegrown talent yeah. of TNA. Yeah. And I thought you represented them fantastically. And uh, I thought Thank you were you. an excellent world champion for them. No, oh, thanks. I, really I, I, I enjoyed the time. That, you know, it was, a, it was a shame that things were very tumultuous there at that time. And, and yeah. I think I've, I've said this before in interviews. I don't like to dwell on it too much, but I don't feel like I got the chance to really sort of fully realize my potential. But I do, I will say this, that I, um, I can sort of hold my head high in the sense that in terms of business, not, not immeasurable metrics that like internet fans use and stuff like that. But if the numbers on spike held the house shows actually improved, you know, the the numbers in the UK went up. Like I, I felt like I did, I did good business. And, you know, even when, when I dropped the title to, to EY, I know that to a lot of people, they, they weren't necessarily a fan of that decision, but, I I did business for him, you know what I mean? Like, and I I was proud to do business for him because that that was what I've always believed that the role of the champion was. That's was right. To get yourself to a point where when someone wins, everyone really cares, you know. And 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 that that night people were crying, you know. And I just that's that's the that's the part of the business that I think doesn't doesn't really exist anymore. Like I feel like no one people don't, you know, like you take Hunter as an example. Yeah. You know, like he he. Uh, sort of accepted the role that like he he was he was on top but to facilitate the big pop for the baby face that he was going to eventually put over right. you know what i mean and that's that's i embraced that role i thought that that was what i wanted to do you know what i mean and i don't i don't think guys i don't i can't speak for anyone but i don't think there are guys who want to do that anymore i think everybody yeah. wants to like get the pop themselves now well i think how i think how you um how you handed the the title off to EY really helped him, and 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 I think that was the. I don't think he could have had as good of a um, a run with that title if he if if it hadn't have been for that. Well, I, I appreciate that, and and it was funny to me that the the people in the business who went out of their way to um to sort of compliment me on that part of it yeah. afterwards were were guys who who I really admired and respected and guys who understood the business like i never forget that everyone was like congratulating ey that night yeah right? everyone you know and that's that's fine you know it is what it is but i remember hector guerrero came up to me and like and he had tears in his eyes and he like shook my hand and said like young man like you you did you did him the fact you know you did him the honors tonight like you should be very proud of that like you did you know and i like yeah. i was like i was like that meant so much to me because i was like to, to get, you know, from somebody like Hector, you know, like the, one of the Guerreros, right? Like, right? He's seen everything. And like to get that from him was like, I, I really appreciated that. Let's talk about, um, you know, because in the States, TNA, you know, or Impact, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, people would always, you know, talk about how business was weak here in the States. But in, in, in the UK, man, you guys were strong. They were, yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought you had a ton to do with that tons well again i appreciate that and i think that you know it's it's a you know how it is it's difficult for me to to say it you yeah. know because you just you there's no way to say it without coming across like you're you tooting your own horn 
Right. Yeah. Your I'll toot it for you. I'll toot it for you next. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually had this conversation with Scott uh, not too long ago, and he was like, fuck that, toot your own horn. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah well, like, that's, I yeah, I just a little bit different mentality. That's just for me. I don't think it's wrong to do it. I just, I have a hard time doing it myself. Yeah. It's, most of the time. But again, the, um, I'll never forget that they, they, they get, they put me in a main event with Sting um, way early in my career. It's like, a few months in 2009, like I just randomly got a, a main event with sting, right. Just to sort of throw away TV main event, just to sort of, cause sting had worked with Joe on the pay-per-view the night before. And they, they wanted something just to kind of get him, you know, get him back where they wanted yeah. him to be. And I understood that. So I understood my role. And, uh, I just, uh, and that was the first time Kevin actually really came up to me and was like, that was good. You know, like, from now on, like, you know, you come with me kind of thing. Um, uh -huh. But I remember that the next day or the next week, someone said, you know, the ratings in the UK went up 50%. Like, because, you know, after they, because they kind of put promoted that, you know, you were going to be in the main event with Sting or whatever. And it was, I think for a lot of the UK fans, it was just that, the fact that WWE had had some British guys, but since Davey Boy, they'd never really had anyone who they had, so really pushed as a, as a star, you know, they, they were yeah. just, there were guys there who, who were just there. And I think to a lot of the fans at that point in the UK, they really started to get this feel that they, like they're going with him like this, like this actually, uh, you know, he's actually, he's, he's not just, he's not pigeonholed as just a yeah. token British guy or whatever. Like he's in a main event with sting. Like that's awesome. You know, he's one of us. And, and there, there was this real sort of, positive groundswell of support there which then i mean I, I like to think that it had a little bit to do with the ongoing popularity but they were popular in the uk before i came along to be fair yeah. you know like that was one of the reasons why they were looking for a, a british guy well like, why do you think that, that is nick why do you think that is because i've asked other people that because i'm not i'm not a, i'm not a brit i'm not a brit obviously <laughs> and i don't know what what about that product um appealed to the the british folks more than it did the the uh, the Americans and what what do you think that was? I think the roster was excellent. I think people Damn forget how good the roster was from in in like two thousand you know from like two thousand six through to about two thousand twelve. Like the roster was excellent. I mean, you had AJ, Joe, Daniels, you know, Frankie. The you know and you had um, the Machine Guns, yeah. uh, you know, Jay Lethal, like all these great guys, and then you also had. Mick Foley, Sting, Steiner, Kevin, you know, Kurt. Like, so there was this really good mix of, of big, big stars from the Attitude Era and people who they thought, you know, were, were going to be the future of the business, yeah. which turned out to be true. Um, and also, I think the fact that WWE in the UK is on Sky Sports, which you have to pay to have. Whereas TNA was on, uh, first of all, it was on Bravo, which is a channel that doesn't exist anymore, but it was, it was still on like satellite and cable and stuff, oh, but like it was Bravo a Sport? free. And, and now it, then it was on challenge, which again was like, was on free view. So it was just more accessible and it yeah. had a very good time slot. And it was just one of those things where I think people would just, you know, channel hop and they would get to it and they'd be like, Oh, cool. Booker T, you know, and sure. Kevin Nash. And oh, I love these guys. Like, and, and there wasn't as much of a stigma of like, Oh, it's not WWE. Okay, pass. You know, they, they people were just sort of watching it casually. Like a lot of people would stop me and be like, "Hey, you're that wrestler from that TNA show." You know, like yeah. that you could tell they weren't really wrestling fans; they just watched it casually. Sure. 
And um, also Rockstar Spot. That was another guy. It was, it's you and it, it's you two. And I, I, I really think that um, uh, you guys were like the main reason for that. I really do. Well, I appreciate that. I think I think Doug, you know, Doug as well had a good following, and and Doug too. I'm sorry, Doug, Doug Williams. Sorry, man, if you're listening. (laughs) Well, I think because especially when we were in the tag team, because at first we would, you know, it was we were kind of we were a little bit stereotyped, and it was, but but we sort of embraced it and had fun with it, and then, but we got married. You know, we were lucky that we got married to Beer Money, who were the hottest act on the show out of everyone. You know that you know Bobby and James at that point were untouchable in terms of reaction and like they had we we had great chemistry with them and again we knew our role like we would you know we we facilitated them getting more over like that was you know and we embraced that but so we we do all these house shows in in the u.s and we do the national anthem and they'd cut cut us off and have you know and then we'd we'd, and it was just like you it was such a night off and we just had so much fun working with them and and because we and we and we got to work with uh the dudleys you know so we had a very good good introduction to the tv audience and again i think the brit audience looked at that and went wow these guys are killing it you know and and they're british and they're ours you know and they and neither of us had been in wwe so we were sort of looked at as like oh cool this is like fresh and new and and british you know this is really cool yeah you you weren't what what some people call retreads yeah i you know i it's i always used it to my advantage right like if I had a, if I say, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, "When are you going to WWE?" or like, "Why aren't you in WWE?" or whatever, like I wouldn't have to wrestle ever again, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, but it was, you know, it, it was just one of those things. Like I, I wasn't ready for the WWE when I went to TNA. Like I, I wasn't really ready for TNA. You know, I just, but yeah. luckily, they had, it was an excellent roster full of guys who wanted to help me get better because that was the that was the. The, the, the mentality in the locker room at that point. So I was very lucky and I got thrown in at the deep end and I'm the kind of person who, you know, I, I like that sink or swim sort of mentality, like go do it, you That's know what right. I mean? Figure it out or go home. And I, and I, and I felt like I figured it out quite quickly. Um, See, I think most people aren't I, ready for, I, I think most people aren't, aren't ready for TNA or, or when they get there or when they go from there to, or when they go from there, ROH or anything else. To WWE, I I think that it's like you said, it's that swing, it's that sink or swim thing, and and the guys that um the guys that are are the money guys are the ones that uh, that do not choke under pressure. Yeah, and, and, they, and, and, I they, think, and they rise to the occasion. Yeah, for sure. I think had I been put in the same position in WWE, I probably would have disappeared and never been seen again because the size of the spotlight would have been too much, and everyone would have been like, wah, wah. but in TNA even though it was still quite a big platform, you know, because it was on Spike and Primetime and, yeah. you know, a lot of people watching it, like, worldwide, it was, there was, it was a little, I took advantage of the fact that there was a little bit of that, they had, you gave, you had a little bit more leeway in TNA with the audience where they were like, all right, you know, give, give them a chance. Like, I mean, don't get me sure. wrong, like, some of those fans were brutal to me at first, but yeah, I just sort of took it in my stride and then with, and then when the tag team came along, it was kind of like, all right, good. Well, they've put him with a, a really good wrestler who we respect and admire, so he can be the he can be the mouthpiece, and the other guy can be the worker. And that was how we worked it out. Well, in TNA, one of the incredible things that you got to do was not only work with Sting, but you made Sting tap. Um, how was that like? It's uh, it, it's easily the most um, significant, you know, kind of moment in my career as far as 
especially backstage, like, and Sean, you know, Sean will be able to ex- explain this mu- much more with much more credibility than I can. But the, the, um, when I first came, when Eric and them first came in, like Eric did not like me at all. Like he was just, he just was like, who's, who's this guy? Like he's pompous. He's, you know, I understand. I have to, you have to have self-awareness in this business. And I understood that sometimes my shyness could be sort of mistaken for being, you know, kind of arrogant. Right. And I, and, and Eric definitely got that vibe from me. So then he was really like, we, we've talked about it on his show. Like I was the first guest on his podcast and we, we just talked about it straight up and straight up. And I was just like, I thought you hated me. And he's like, I did hate you. And I was like, well, I hated you too. You know, so it was kind of cool. But then I sort of won him over. Um, Cause Sting, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, that man just, he, he just was, he always was an advocate for me, for me. He, he went out of his way to say, I think this kid has something. I think you should like he constantly. He would constantly yeah. be like, "What are you doing with What are you doing with Magnus now? Like, where Where is he going? Like, what's going What's going on next with him?" I mean, he he went out of his way like when he didn't have to, to just for whatever reason he just took an interest in me. Would come and sit with me and ask me these questions and go, oh, you know, I really think that you've got something. And then so then when the time was right, and I started, you know, they, they sort of felt like I was ready for the next level as a singles guy. Sting. I don't know. He just, he was the one who said, I want him in the main event mafia. And then I want to, he, he laid that whole thing out. And then Eric sort of produced most of that story, the whole sort of, uh, you know, student teacher thing. And I heard later on that, well, actually, as I heard, they told me at first they wanted sting to go over. They they were going to have sting beat me at the pay-per-view and that was going to make me snap. You know, they say like this, when you lose to sting, like you snap and you turn heel and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, you know, Sting was the one who was like, nope, that's not ha- like we didn't do all this and I haven't pushed for him for like three years and I haven't, you know, done all this just to just to beat him. What, like, why do I need to beat him? Like, uh, he's going to beat me. And he goes, and, and for what it's worth, he's beating me in the middle with the submission. Nice. Like, and that's it. Yeah. And I just I, I, I can't even tell you like what that meant to me. Well, you know, there's this mentality, like, in wrestling sometimes that, like, okay, if one guy's getting paid more than the other guy, he should never lose to him. Right. That's not a WWE thing. That was, like, a a WCW thing for sure. Right. So, like, so that's kind of the mentality, like, oh, we we better not ask. uh, And plus, it's Sting. It's Sting. Come on. So they're probably afraid to ask him. Even if they, 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 you know, Nick, honestly, they probably already thought it was better if you you beat Sting. They just didn't want to ask him. You, you know, it's funny that you're you're 100 right because I said I after you know this all happened and uh, whoever our agent was I forget who the agent was they they walk away we're sitting there okay and it was me Sting and Kurt we'd asked Kurt to come and help us put the match together uh-huh. and uh, he said that and then I'm just like sitting there kind of thanks <laughs> you know like, right. I don't I, I said to him I don't know what to say and Kurt was like. And then Sting got up and left for a minute, and Kurt was like, "He didn't do that for me." <laughs> um, he didn't need it, though. Kurt Angle didn't need it from Sting. You nah, know, it helped you a lot more than it would have helped Sting or Kurt Angle. But, yeah, and you know what's funny, Sean, is that that's we had that exact conversation that you just had, where I said, "Sting goes to me, hey, let me ask you a question. Do I have a reputation as someone who like doesn't want to put guys over?" And I said, "No." I don't think so, but I've heard in the past that like they wanted someone to go over on you, and then they changed it, and he was just like, 
no, they never asked me to put anyone over, you know, like, and right. I, cause there, there had been something, I think it might've been like Matt Morgan or someone like that where they, like, and then they had changed it. And so Sting was like, I don't want people to think. And I said, honestly, Sting, I, I don't think that you, I don't think anyone thinks that you're refusing to do it. I just, don't, and he goes, they never asked me. Right. They never asked me to do it. And I said, that, that makes sense. So yeah, like, no, you might not have a reputation uh, of not wanting to do a job, but you do have a reputation for not doing them. Yeah. If that makes yeah. any like, sense. Through, through no fault of his own. Right. right? So, so yeah. what led to your eventual departure from TNA, and how long after that did Jeff Jarrett contact you to go to Global Force? Uh, TNA didn't have the money to um, to match like my contract. So you know, we were talking earlier about the, the the WWE thing, and like you've never been to WWE, and why aren't you in WWE, and blah blah blah. I I, I would always be open to the idea, but I was I would always use it for leverage to get a better deal when my contract came up. Yeah. Um, because in my mind, maybe it was naive, you know, considering that I'm not there now, but I always thought there's time for that. You know what I mean? Like that, like that can come like, but right now I can get, you know, I can make good money here. Yeah. Like, and, 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 you know, I know that people make these like sideways remarks cause they read stuff online and stuff. Like that, but I had, I had some very good years in TNA and I, you know, I didn't have that many late checks. Like they took sure. care of me. Like I, I, and I, I had like I had a few six-figure years there, and don't, you know, don't get me wrong, nothing like the kind of money you would make in WWE, but for for the schedule and you know they they took care of my hotels and stuff like that. Like I had I had a, a, a sweet deal, you know, and I, I was and so I and I leveraged WWE, you know, for that. And I'm, I, why wouldn't you? You, you know, like yeah, exactly. That's not a bad thing to do. Yeah, it's all. business, you yeah, know, and, and of course. So. Um, when when they they lost the spike deal and you know unfortunately their business model was very um vulnerable in that respect because you know that that made up the vast majority of their income so once they lost that revenue stream we just knew that that was you know that that, that money wasn't going to be there anymore so i just sure. said well i just got i basically said to him i said let me let me save you the trouble like i know you can't match that you know, I know you can't match what you're paying me now. So when it comes up, like let's just, you know, let's just shake hands and walk away. Yeah, and that's kind of what happened. Was was WWE ever um, ever knocking on your door, Nick? <laughs> I had one brief, a brief conversation with. He's not there anymore. I forget his name. He would, but he was like the recruiting guy, um, Ty Bailey. Oh, Ty Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he. I, I didn't at that time I, I didn't really understand that if you were under contract somewhere that, that you weren't allowed to have a conversation with it's, yeah, it's called tampering yeah, yeah and so my contract was up I had like I had like two weeks left on it and I and I just reached out to him was like I was just you know my contract's coming up I was just wondering if there's any interest right and I sent him my stuff and, and he he got back to me right away I was like wow call me ASAP yeah so I did, and then he was like, "Wait, you're still under contract?" And I was kind of like, "Yeah, just for another couple." He's like, oh, "I can't talk to you, bye." <laughs> and that well, was kind of the end. Honestly, of the I don't think I, it's. I think it's okay if you contact them if your contract's right. coming up. It's just not well, okay. They're not allowed to like poach you. They're not allowed to poach no, you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that was the thing. It was. It was like I, you know, I, I reached out and, you know, just just seeing if seeing what was seeing what was going on. And this right. was like this was in 2010, I think. Like, uh, so. 
and then after that, um, no, just you know, just the sort of back channel stuff, sure. like, which which you can never. And honestly, like most of the time, I just got, I just never really trusted the, I never trusted the back channel sources enough of to course. go. If if the offer was there from TNA, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna kind of trust yeah. my gut and go. Well, maybe. Um, just because I, I just treated like business. When it comes but, um, to that kind of stuff, Nick, I like to talk to the horse's mouth, not the horse's ass. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's funny. I've I've never really talked about this publicly, and I've always been careful not to do it because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But um, when when I left, when when my contract ran out at TNA, and I left um, when I was a free agent, you know, we there were there were some more serious discussions. Um, yeah. But at first, it was just like it was it was cold, like nothing happened. And then, uh, I, basically, it was a weird situation because I was like, "There's got to be more to it than just that." Like I can't, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that I'm like this great, great talent and that they like, should be like hammering down my door. But the response was weird, you know, and I didn't really understand. And then eventually, and I've never spoken about this before. Okay, um, but there was there was enough guys i mean look sting kurt joe you know all these guys had like endorsed me publicly and privately and i'm going like that doesn't count for anything you know what i mean it it turned out that someone i won't say who it was but if you if you understand you'll know who i mean if when you when you figure it out but someone who used to work at tna who now works at wwe for whatever reason just decided to completely bury me to Hunter. And I don't know why, like, and I don't even know why I'm protecting the guy because like, it was such a, it was such a shitty thing to do. And I, and I never did anything but show him respect. And even when, even after TNA had let him go, like I was, I still went to like check in on him and like see him and have dinner with him and stuff. And I don't know why that happened. Um, but for whatever reason, like that, that was the word I got, and that was a reliable source. I mean, that wasn't. Oh, I'm sure it's 100 percent true. And unfortunately, like, that's bullshit. Yeah, that sucks. And, yeah, and and it, honestly, Sean, like the version of it that I got was that, yeah, you've got a lot of people uh, uh, pushing for you, but their talent, and but in in the office, you know, like. There's, there's only this, this, this is the only guy who actually worked with you, and he's like buried you with two shovels. Gotcha. So, and and uh, I just maybe maybe it's my fault. I mean, I have too much pride, but I just once once I sort of got wind of that, I just kind of went, okay, well, if the word of a guy who's widely disliked and discredited and distrusted in the business like means more to you than the word of Sting. And Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe, you know, and, and countless other guys, if, and you know Kevin, and you know sure. even yourself, like you said yeah. publicly, like you know, and I said, if the word of this this scumbag means more to you than the word of these guys, then, you know, I, I guess have at it. Do you know what I mean? And I just kind of said, like, I, I just, I made the choice then personally to be like, I'm, I'm moving on with my life. If they, if they, you know, they know where I am. Yeah. I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. No, like, you, I just you're not coming off that way at all, Nick. And you never have, you never have. So yeah, don't That's... think that. Um, go well, ahead. changing gears. 
Uh, when you were in Mexico and you hurt your bicep, you were working with a lot of the Lucha Underground talent. Have you been yeah. offered a season four contract from Lucha Underground? Any chances of seeing you in the temple, possibly? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think I may have had a couple of emails back and forth with Krista Joseph. Like, I think I reached out to him and said, you know, and just kind of said, hey, you know, just I'm a free agent now, you know, but no, uh, never any any more than that. Um, yeah, I I forget who all was in that match because it was, you know, triple A. So it was a, uh, a six man. Um, I know that. It, I know that I think it was uh, Mike Bailey was the the guy. Do, I, mean, I got hurt because of catching a dive, and it was just a freak thing. It wasn't anyone's fault. It was just like, you know, I was already my arm was already exhausted, and I think I had like pretty bad tendonitis already. And then I I I always prided myself on being a good catcher, right? For guys doing dives, you know, I was proud of myself on on being there for him. And and you know, uh, speedball comes flying over, and I just I just stuck my arm out really wide, and it just hyperextended my arm, and I just felt it pop. I love Speedball. I think he's amazing. I'm surprised no one's yeah, really locked him down nice to guy. a Yeah, very nice yet. guy, too. Really nice kid. Hey, yeah. Nick, are you still doing a column in, uh, in Fighting Spirit magazine? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, still do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I get that magazine every month, and uh, I appreciated the, uh, the nice words you had for me in one of your columns. It was right, oh, after, oh. It was right after I had the injury, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure I did. Honestly, Sean, like the... <laughs> I've been doing that column for like eight years or something now. It's something crazy like nice. that, and it's it's hard to think of stuff to write about. Sometimes it's a bit it's a it's a bit more liberating now because I'm not under contract, right? So it's not you don't have to be quite as careful about what you say. But it's yeah. always that thing when you're a talent, is especially me. Like I'm 30, and I still I always think to myself, you know who wants to hear from a guy who's like hasn't done anything you know what i mean like there's guys like Cornette writing in there and stuff like that so i always try to not come across as sort of pretentious or like up my own ass but you know yeah. i try to just sort of write like a funny sort of commentary on what what's going on you know but it's it's hard sometimes to think of content that's entertaining and not going to get you tons of heat with everyone i, I mean I, I i enjoy it i enjoy it a lot well thank you i appreciate it well, currently you have a lot going on. You got a show in London on October 24th, a show in Glasgow on October 25th, and a show in Liverpool on October 26th, and then House of Hardcore November 17th and 18th. Can yes. Tell us about well, actually, those? we've got we actually have um, six shows in the UK. The the the, the three shows you just mentioned are, um, are fan parties. They're like Tommy Dreamer's Hardcore Halloween fan parties, and they're like. They'll be really fun, you know. We'll do like an uncensored Q and A uh, with Tommy, and then we'll play some games. And uh, Victoria will be there, and Davari and myself, and a few other special guests. And we just do, we do fun stuff. We'll do a Q and A panel, completely uncensored, no recording, no nothing like that, just just fun. And then we'll we'll do some Halloween games, some like fan participation stuff, um, and obviously like all the Q and A stuff. We have like a cool backdrop with you know, so that the, the people get a real good photo rather than just like a a, a random like standing there with a the guy photo there will be like kendo sticks and all that kind of stuff nice. uh and then on the 27th we have a, a regular wrestling show uh in coventry and then the 28th is at grimsby auditorium and the 29th in king's Lynn, which is my hometown cool awesome hey how's married life man it's uh it's there it's good yeah. she's um <laughs> i just heard her come in a few minutes ago we're, we're doing a we're doing a, a late birthday party for my son. He's he turned three on Monday, but nice. obviously she was at Raw. And I was, so that we, was the next it. thing I was going to ask you is how is, how is it being a dad? I already know because I am one. So sure, <laughs> it's it, amazing. I take you know this. It, you, I'm, I don't I don't know if, whether this happened with you, but I 
when when Donovan came along, like I just I just stopped giving a shit about so much like unnecessary stuff. Yeah. And I, there was part of me that went, God, why didn't this happen? Like, why couldn't this have happened like before I got the title with TNA? Like, where I I, I you know because I can I. Look, I can hold my hand up and say there were times where I was a little bit difficult. You know, I was a little bit cantankerous. and But I've always been someone who uh, I, I, I resented the fact that the person who buried me, the thing that they said um, was that I was difficult to work with. And that was the thing that really that hurt the most, because I never I always said that I was someone who would suggest an alternative. I would never just say I don't like that. I would always suggest, hey, why don't could we do it like this? But ultimately, I always respected the decision of the boss. So like wh- right. whatever happened in the end, whatever they said, this is what we're doing. I would go and do it and I would deliver like always. And so, you know, to, to get that, you know, to, to think that like the, the, the people, you know, Triple H, who I was such a fan of, you know, who I who I tried to sort of model myself after as, as the world champion, like to, to think that like this is the impression that he has of me now, like that broke my heart, man, like because I was just like, that's that's so unfair because I always felt like the guys who get it, like they're going to state the case. You've got, this is a cerebral business. Like, you, yeah. you know, you can't all just be like mindless grunts who go like, yeah, okay, I'll do exactly what you think because then you end up with a sterile product. And That's I was just terrible. like, all yeah. I would do was, was just suggest, you know, make suggestions. But ultimately whatever the decision was, I'd be like, all right, that's my job. That's what you pay me to do. I'll go do it. I think somebody just didn't like having their, uh, whatever they came up with second guest. You know? Yeah. And that, and that's a, that's a that's a silly to me like that's a silly position to be in as a creative because ultimately if the show is awesome you're going to get that credit that's no right. matter what like no one's yeah. going to go oh i bet that so and so had some input on that segment like they're just going to ultimately all they're going to remember is like was that show good or was it meh and yeah. if the show was great then everyone everyone wins you know it doesn't really it doesn't really matter who because it's a collaborative effort you know like people always say to you like hey who came up with that you know whatever it's kind of like, well, no one really, no one person ever really came up with anything, right? Like it's always a, it's always a sort of collaborative effort because if I'm it sitting in a room be. with it should Sean be. Waltman. Sorry, it sorry, should be, it should be, it should be a collaborative effort. Yeah, right. It, if you're like, involved, if I'm sitting in you a room should with have you input. and Kevin and Scott and like all these really smart guys and I'm like with spitballing a bunch of stuff and I'm suddenly inspired and I say, oh, what if we did this? It's like, it's. I'm only I've only got to that point because I've been in the room with all you guys, you know, and vice versa. So it's like, it, I don't know. Like to me, that was that was the that was the hard part of all that. But yeah, like I I, I always enjoyed that process. Yeah. Hey, how about like I just thought of this, and I know we're cut we're getting short on time. We're coming to the end of this, but um, ROH, man, I can totally see you uh, in ROH and kicking some serious ass there. I was just gonna say, have you uh, ever been offered PWG? Um, no, never really, never really had any discussion there. Um, Ring of Honor, um, again, just the, you know, just the kind of, hey, I'm available type thing. But obviously I, I know that, I know that Marty, obviously, cause you know, Marty and I started pretty much broke in together. He, yeah. he started somewhere else, but then, you know, he was like 16 and I started giving him a ride to the wrestling school and stuff. And so we were, you know, we were pretty much in the thick of it from the beginning together. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, he, I, he, he, he would love that. I think he would enjoy that. You know what I mean? Like there's like, we talk about that and he's like, God, it would be great. And you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, 
there's always a I think that it's a blessing and a curse right like I feel like I've been I've been a, a weird sort of purgatory in the sense that a lot of people have always assumed that I would end up at WWE so in the in the respect to other places there and I feel will. like there's a little bit of that hesitation because they don't want to commit, you know what yeah. I mean? Because then they think, well, what's the point? He's going to end up there, right? Well, so I, it's, I, I it's honestly, kind of works against you. I honestly think you will. Like, uh, I, I just think that it's everything's not even close to set and done yet with your career, Nick. Trust uh, I, me on that. I appreciate <laughs> that. It's hard to say, you know, because it's just the business is so different now, even just from when I got into now, you know, sure. it's just so fragmented now. And it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough position like i'm i'm at, for the first time like i've actually just started doing like a yeah. civilian civilian stuff like i started consulting for my friend's uh, marketing company like he he has a a talent and events company and they specialize in in booking talent to yeah. represent brands like brand ambassadors and stuff and so we would you know we would sit around and have drinks and stuff and he, we would just discuss like his business or whatever and and then he just contacted me and was like I, I could I can double our business, but I need someone who gets it. Like I need someone who yeah. understands people and understands like psychology and understands marketing and stuff. He's like, would you be a consultant? And I was just like, yeah, like, all right. This? You know what I mean? Like it, Sounds... it's weird because there's part of me that went, oh, I've got to let go of, you know what I mean? It was like the first time in my adult life that I was not just a pro wrestler, sure. you know, not just sort of something in that realm. And it, but, you know, in, in a way I was it's sort of liberating because it's like, well, we'll see what happens, you know, because it's, guess what? And, and, and I and I used to not not uh, understand this, but there's tons, tons of life outside of wrestling. I mean, there's yeah. so much of our life. I mean, it's we, we can we can really think that, oh, my God, without wrestling, there's nothing, you know, and that's just yeah. bullshit. It's not true. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I've always been such an admirer of yours. Obviously, I was a fan anyway, but then getting to know you is just like we have very similar worldviews and social views and, you know, yeah. dare I say political views. And, I, yeah. and it's and, and it's it's nice that, you know, it, it's encouraging when I, you know, when guys when I see guys who who understand that element, because some guys, I think, especially in WWE, like they encourage that bubble. And so then you're almost, it's almost like controversial to sort of, to encourage uh, interest outside of the business. Cause they, they feel like you're being, you know, you're sort of, you're, you're deliberately trying to, you know, you're sort of encouraging dissidents or something. That's and it's true. funny, but that's true. I love, but I, I've always been a little so bit, healthy. I've always been a little bit controversial when it comes to saying things like that. No because kidding. I just, I mean, if the truth is controversial, it's controversial. Right. Exactly. So, Nick, I mean, I'm sure there's... Hey, you guys want to get any last I questions mean, out? We've had it so long. Okay. Anything? Any any last question? Anything? Okay. Oh, well, your book, Superstar Body, you have oh, that. Yeah. Um, I want to know, what's your secret to keeping that amazing physique? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is no secret. Um, you know, the, I will say this. I, I really enjoyed doing the book. And I, and I think the reason I did it was because a publisher contacted me and like basically wanted to do something with me. And I just said, I don't, I haven't done enough to write a book. Like who no, who's going to buy it? Who's going to, who cares about like what I've done in wrestling? Like it's nothing, but, but I tell you what I do think, like, I think that there's an, there's a lot of stuff in, in the fitness side of things that, that is a bit untouched. And what I tried to do was basically make a one-stop book where it was like sift through all the bullshit in the magazines. Cause they deliberately only tell you a little bit so that you have to get next months and next months and right. next months. Right. And it's sort of contradictory. It's like, these are the things that I've learned. And from like working with Olympic athletes and stuff like that and gladiators to like top trainers and like CEOs of supplement companies. And I got them all to collaborate. So it's like, again, 
who wants to hear from just one guy? So there's loads of different people contributing to the book. And um, I'm actually working on a, another one now, but more focused on food. And it's going to be a completely digital product. And it's it's going to be alpha meal where it's going to be like, nice. eat like a man, right? Like, so it's like, <laughs> eat right, but not, you know, but not just like boring chicken breasts and, you know, and, and broccoli every day. And sure. like so some really cool guys like Chael Sonnen and different guys have sort of contributed to it and stuff. So we're, we're kind of putting that together now. But no, the secret is, consistency and intensity those are the two things you've got to get in there get it done get out and then you know make sure that whatever you're doing it's it's a consistent thing because your body is the product of the last like two to three months of work not the last two to three days nice yeah nick nick man i want to thank you for coming on man hey before we let you go um can you plug your social media and everything you know that they can find you at yeah, sure, sure. My my Twitter is at real Nick Aldis, A L D I S, uh, and my Instagram is at Nick Aldis, and, and my Facebook is the same as my Twitter at real Nick Aldis. Um, and then, if any of you guys in the UK are interested in going to any of the shows I was talking about, uh, go to superstarproms.eventbrite.com, or if you go to Eventbrite and search superstar uh, superstar promotions, you'll find the page for all the tickets and all the shows. Happy birthday to Donovan. Yeah, man. I was just going to say you that. Guys. Happy birthday to Donovan and my love to your beautiful wife. And, and you, you as much. well. And, and your new kitten. Yeah, and yes, and the new baby kitten. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just want to thank you for giving us some of your time today, man. Thank no, you sure. so much. I, I can't thank you enough for you know all your advice and, and your encouragement over the years. And, and especially any time that you've publicly endorsed me, it, it really means a whole lot. I'm a big fan of yours. I don't just throw those endorsements out to anyone so uh, I, All right, man. thank you Sean have an awesome right, day man thank yeah, you so take much take care bye 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 awesome yeah Amazing. man I, uh, that was fun that yeah. was really fun he's I, I really like Nick a lot and uh, and I'm a fan of his and, and and that's a shame that you know somebody and I have my ideas of who he's talking about pretty sure I know who that you know cut his grass like that but you know um, I think he's good enough to where eventually if he really wants to he'll he'll end up where you know well and this is something that you and jesse ventura talked about is building your stock elsewhere yes so when you go to the wwe That's right. you have like he used wwe in his contract negotiation sure. with tna now he'll have his stardom elsewhere that mm-hmm. they'll want to pay a higher price sure. to get him there you know a <laughs> lot of people thought maybe aj styles would never end up in yeah. wwe and look at him now. so yeah i mean and i understand from his point of view where it might be frustrating or Jeez, maybe I'm never going to end up there. Got to get rid of that mentality, man, and keep that positive attitude because it will happen as long as you keep that attitude. And he's got positive. the whole package. I was just yeah. going to say, he's got, he's got the look. He's yeah. in great shape. He's young. The whole British invasion that's going on in WWE right now with the UK. Exactly. Who knows if he's the guy that comes in and rallies all the UK yeah. guys together to form a faction or yep. something. I feel like there's so many places that he can be at right now that would be just a great benefit. And like you said, maybe he doesn't see it right now because you're always your harshest critic. Right. But I think all of us here and all the fans, I think we all see it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. So let's do the rounds here and get and, – and uh, Wrap it up. Talk about you know um, our social media well, you've stuff. You got a lot going on. A lot, you know, some so, different things. Sean will be in uh, Fremont, California, for BTW Wrestling October sixth on Friday. You could follow him on Twitter at BT Wrestling to find out more about tickets there. Saturday, October fourteenth, you'll be at Sold Out in Weatherford, Oklahoma. IW... Yeah, but there's two shows in, two B- shows. in BTW. Are there? Yes, I have two shows back to back. 
I put that on the schedule, Jimbo. Did you? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's because I took it off the flyer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sold out. It'll be a convention with other NWO members. I believe Eric Bischoff, Scott Norton, Kevin Nash are all going to be there. Yes. That's October Sting's going to be there. Oh, yeah. He just announced that he's yes. going to be there. Uh, IW Revolution on Twitter to find out more about that. Sunday, October 22nd in Old Forge, Pennsylvania. A live stream for Powerbomb TV. You're going to be wrestling. I know. Just going to be presenting or doing out. something. Yes. Uh, Sunday, October 29th, Heavy On Wrestling in Duluth, Minnesota. Yes. Uh, on Twitter at RealHeavyOn or HeavyOnWrestling.com for tickets for that. And then a seminar uh, at the Academy. The Davari and uh, Ken Anderson's. But I have – is my uh, Fan HQ uh, appearance listed there in Eden yeah. Prairie, Minnesota? No. Huh. When is that? It's on the 20 – this sounds so bad that I don't have this information right here. Uh, I don't, fan yeah, day, we'll tweet about it. Yeah. We got the 29th. The 30th is the seminar on Monday. And be sure to subscribe to all the new AfterBuzz wrestling content on AfterBuzz Wrestling and Sports. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I'm not sure who the guest is next week, but I know who it is uh, two weeks from now. Ooh. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I already let you guys know, but I'm not going to say it yet. Okay. Why did I even tell everyone that? <laughs> um, where can they find you, Jim? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the booth. You guys can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo and on YouTube, Denise Salcedo. Also follow us on AfterBuzz TV at AfterBuzz TV. Follow Sean on Twitter, The Real XPOC, IG XPOC12360, Facebook XPOC12360 Show. Sign up for our newsletter on our Facebook page. You can also buy all those shirts on Pro Wrestling Tee slash Sean Waltman and also Celeb VM. You can get um, some stuff from Sean over there as well. And you can follow me. I'll also give five comments uh, or five stars on our iTunes, our iTunes and also YouTube. Make sure to leave some comments. And also everything that's been happening, uh, world events, hurricanes, earthquakes, and stuff like that, you can go to oneamericaappeal.org to help donate and also voiceforpuertorico.com. Yes. You can follow me on everything at TK Trinidad. Yeah, some, lo- some serious love I want to send out to everyone in Mexico and Puerto Rico right now. It's the least we can do. Yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see you all here next week. On X-Pac, one, two, three, sixty. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Jimbo Frank and TK Trinidad, managing producer of AfterBuzz TV Wrestling Mark Donica, and the entire X-Pac 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow X-Pac on Twitter at TheRealXPac, and email us at xpac12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!